Let's give the Lord the praise he so richly and rightfully deserved. What a blessed privilege it is for us to be in the house of the Lord one more time. If you know that God has blessed you beyond measure, can you give God praise at this time? Amen. 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 We got a lot of things that are going on right now. We want to welcome you to what we call St. Paul Online. For those that are watching us on Facebook, Vimeo, YouTube, or engaging in our live chat room, found on our church website, welcome to St. Paul Online. Our digital ministers and social media influencers are ready to engage you this morning. So do us this favor. If you're watching us on Facebook, share on your personal timeline and tag people you want to invite to this post. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel and text the link of this worship service to your personal network. And if you're in the chat room on our church website, click on the invite button in the chat window. Share this experience with others. Also, we want to let you know that if you're wherever you're watching us, if you would put in the chat where you're watching us from, we want to take wonderful delight in uh, sharing that experience as far as where you are watching us from. So how many of you all are just glad to be in the service one more time? Amen. Amen. I know that we just lost an hour of sleep, so we're trying to catch up as far as that's concerned. But we're going to go ahead and give our God the very best praise that we have to offer. Our children's church is open this Sunday. So if you would like for your child to go to children's church, follow the directions of those that are processing them this morning. I'm going to ask that uh, Reverend Ben Paik will come. He's going to open us up as far as our worship experience is concerned. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. I know we lost an hour of sleep, but God is still good. God is still good. If you can stand to your feet and give God some praise this morning, because this morning he's been good. He's done so much. He's been so kind to you. Ephesians, I'm sorry, Psalms chapter 113 verse 3 says that from the rising of the sun to the going down the same, the name of the Lord shall be praised. So we're going to praise God's name today. We're going to give him glory. We're going to give him honor. So as we worship today, worship with us as we sing our congregational hymn.
our scripture reading this morning will be found in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 11 through 21. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 11 through 21. I will be reading from the New King James Version. According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access. With confidence through faith in him, therefore I ask that you do not, love, that you not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For the reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom that whole family in heaven and earth is named, that would gain, that would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in you, in your, in your hearts through faith, that you bring, that you begin root, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to may be may be able to comprehend with the saints with which is what is the width and the length of, of death and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly Above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Eternal God, our Father. Eternal God, our creator, our savior, our keeper, our provider, our sustainer, we thank you. We give you honor and praise this morning. God, we give you glory because your grace and mercy decided to wake us up this morning. And because of that, we give you praise. God, there's turmoil going, in, going on in the world, but God, we thank you that you keep us. We thank you that you love us. God, when it seems like the end is near, God, you still step in. And because of that, God, we honor you. Now, God, as we worship you in this service, we turn our hearts towards you in worship. Have your way in this place. Do what only you know how to do. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord.
can burn me and no battle can turn me and no mountain can stop me cause you hold my hand and I'm walking in your victory but your power is within me and no giants can defeat me cause you
another the truth about your life because if you don't know there might be somebody waiting to hear their story come out of your mouth and if he did it for you if he raised you if he saved you if he healed you if he anointed you if he picked you up if he turned you around if he placed your feet on solid ground if he forgave you and he's filling you and he's using you then somebody Mark Gladness is a revival that you do not want to miss you can register now on Eventbrite to attend in person or make plans to join us virtually on all of our streaming platforms we look forward to worshiping with you March the 22nd, 23rd and 24th at 7 o'clock p.m. Come on, let's give the Lord the praise he so richly and rightfully deserved. What a blessed privilege it is for us to be in the house of the Lord. It is certainly great to see you all, and I want to commend all of you all for being here on time. Amen, amen. I don't know about anybody else, but it was hard to turn that bed loose this morning, losing that hour of sleep. We are, are certainly delighted to have some special guests with us in the house this morning. And um, I believe that we have um, the Clark Atlanta University Alumni Association of Charlotte and is uh, President Marquita Thompson in the house. Marquita? Oh, I'm sorry. How you doing, dear? Yeah, there, there is another side, ain't it? <laughs> Listen, why don't you come and greet uh, the congregation and have your fellow alums to, to stand? Amen. Let's give God praise as she comes. Yeah, like this. Good morning. My name is Marquita Thompson, and I'm the president of the Clark Atlanta University Charlotte Alumni Chapter and the vice president of our national alumni chapter. Clark Atlanta University was founded in 1988 with the consolidation of Clark College and Atlanta University. And this week, we celebrate our illustrious Clark Atlanta University. Thank you, St. Paul, for having us. Bless you. Amen. And we hope and pray that you all feel welcome here at the St. Paul Church. And thank you all so much for coming to join us. Let's give God praise for them one more time. Amen. I also believe that we have a couple of people that are running for office. Um, Miss, and I hope I pronounced this right, Tawana Brown, are you here? Did I say that right or did I mess that up? I messed it up. Why don't you come on and tell us how to pronounce your name? Amen. 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 Tijuana, is, is that it? Oh, I felt a quickening. All right. Okay. All right. She's running for city council, District 3. Amen. 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 Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, St. Paul. I've been to your church many times. As a little girl, I won't be long. I promise you I won't. But I want to say this. Um, when Moss was here and you guys have always welcomed us in, but I go to Greater Mount Sinai Baptist Church. I was raised under Dr. Cook. Amen. And Reverend Carey. So I'm born and raised in Southside Homes on the corner of West Boulevard and Remount Road. And I'm formally incarcerated. I had my daughter in federal prison. 
and God saved me and delivered me. Amen. And so God took me out to put me in. And so I'm serving in my community. I live in Berwick off of 485. It goes all the way down to Steel Creek. But I have the honor and the privilege to go back to my village, to the people that I grew up with, and let them know what God can do and how God used you. And I have family members in this church as well. So I just want to say to you that it's about time they put somebody on city council that's been through something, that knows something, that know how to tell people that God still delivers and restores. And I will say this, I am an honor student at John C. Smith University with a 4.0, but my daughter is at Clark Atlanta University with a 4.0. So thank you guys so much for allowing me to stand before your phenomenal congregation and I am asking humbly for your vote to put me in office. I can't do it without you. And if you don't live in my district, tell a friend to tell a friend to put Tijuana Brown in for 2022 District 3. Thank you so much. Amen. God bless you. And I believe it's Mr. Cedric Dean here. Cedric Dean. You Cedric? All right. Come. I will let you have words as well. Uh, he's running for City Council District 4. I just want to thank y'all for allowing me to be here this morning. Um, I was here a few weeks ago to bury my grandmother, Faith Fraser. Mm -hmm. And it was right here in this church right here I learned about Jesus. You know, coming to church with uh, Faye and Lincoln Fraser. And I just want you to know that I do have a plan to change this city. And District 4 is very near to me. That's why I live in the Highland Creek area. But I want you to know that it's time to bring God back in the mix. And I'm not afraid to say in the name of Jesus and declare victory because that's what it's going to take to change this city. We can't be so politically correct that we just move God all the way out the equation. We then took him out of schools and now it's time to bring him back. So I just ask that you humbly go to my website, cedricdean.com, C-E-D-R-I-C-D-E-A-N.com. Whatever issues that you have that you want to see change in the city, leave them on there and I'm going to incorporate them on my platform. Thank you and God bless you. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brother Dean, for uh, sharing. And um, again, I want to welcome each and every one of you as far as our worship experience is concerned. Um, I just want to just push a couple of things as far as my own personal observations. Um, the March Gladness Revival that's coming up week after next. Uh, we would love for you, love for you to join us in person. We got uh, three of God's most gifted preachers that will be joining us. And um, I'm asking and uh, imploring that if you can, to join us in person. Um, while there's nothing wrong with you worshiping online because this is how things are for the time being, it's nothing like being in the house and in the space um, and experience that movement as the saints of old used to say from heart to heart and from breast to breast. So please join us, uh, Bishop Rudolph McKissick, Dr. Cynthia Hale, and Dr. F. Bruce Williams. They are going to bless you immensely, and we ain't going to be long. We're going to get the preachers up, 
we're going to let them uh, bless us with a mighty prophetic pastoral word. And we're going to be out of here. And this is my hope. If you come at 7, we're leaving by 8.30 at the latest. Uh, so the kids can get home and, and get in bed if you decide to bring them. So I wanted to stress that. The other thing I want to stress is um, we're still having COVID vaccinations here at the church on Wednesday uh, from uh, 10 to 5 in the gym. Uh, all three vaccines are available as well as boosters. And I want to encourage you, my sisters and my brothers, get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. That's the only way we're going to defeat um, and, and deal with this endemic. Um, brothers, um, I need a, a favor from all of the men who claim to be part of St. Paul. Uh, two things. The first thing is that um, we as men, we have our Men of Valor meeting on the second Saturday at 9 o'clock. Right now we're virtual, which means that if you're not doing anything, you don't have an excuse. You can click on, join us. We have wonderful discussion and we have wonderful um, fellowship. And I do a teaching um, for about 30, 35 minutes, and we've been studying the power of prayer. So I want to encourage all the men, uh, as well as young men, to join us on that platform. The second thing I need is I need some brothers who are part of this church, who's part of this congregation, to join our intake ministry, our intake team. What is the intake team? When people join church, um, they go in the back to the gym to help people uh, understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ as well as part of St. Paul Church. And so uh, we need some brothers. We don't have any men on the intake team. I, um, uh, um, um, uh, I delegated one yesterday, Brother Gary. Is Brother Gary Clark here? I don't see him. Okay, yeah. So if anybody joined today, uh, child, man or woman, you come down as well. And you go in the back and uh, they'll tell you what to do. All right. But we need some more men to, to join us because uh, people that join church need to know that there are men who know the Lord as well. And they need to see that in person. So please, um, um, if you want to partake, uh, participate in that, uh, we can help you to do that. Call the church office at 704-334-5309. Talk to Marilyn White and she can let you know what the next steps are in order to be part of that intake ministry. So we need you to do that. Um, as we get ready to go to prayer, we want to lift up um, the family of uh, Brother Kevin Stroud. Uh, Brother Kevin Stroud is the father of disciple Sister Sheena Baker and Shamari Baker. And uh, his services are going to be this Tuesday here at the church at quiet hour at 11. And the uh, service will be Dr. Redmond. That's at noon, right? Yeah, services will start at noon. So quiet hours at 11. Services start at noon. The men, you all will be singing. Okay? Am I correct, Brother Rich? Yeah. Yeah, with Scott. All right. Okay. All right. Because you got a job. Yeah, all right. All right. Okay. So uh, the men will be singing as far as that's concerned. We also want to lift up um, the family of Brother Ramsey Baldwin, who is the stepson of disciple sister Lula McCullough. And those services were yesterday at the Alamance Funeral uh, Service and Crematorium in Burlington, North Carolina. Let's continue to keep her 
and her sisters, Deborah and Sherry, uh, in prayer as uh, they navigate that moment. We also want to lift up the family of disciples, uh, Joshua Greathouse and Don Greathouse. Uh, they lost their son, uh, Joshua, to a tragic murder uh, a few weeks ago, and we want to continue to cover them in prayer. They funeralized him a uh, week before last in Pittsburgh um, at my friend's church, the Mount Ararat Baptist Church, under the leadership of Dr. William Curtis. So we want to keep them lifted up in prayer. And we want to lift up our executive pastor, Dr. Redman, uh, as their family continues to grieve the loss of her uncle, Reverend Gary Sherman. There may be some other prayer concerns that may be in the house as well. Um, one thing that I do want to put before us, let's continue to lift up Ukraine. Uh, let's continue to lift up the country of Ukraine. Um, Putin is Trump on steroids. Y'all thought Trump was crazy. Uh, the, 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 only, the only difference between Trump and Putin is that Trump did not have the intellect to carry out his mad schemes. Putin is crazy. And Putin does not fear God nor man because he does not believe in God. But we know that God is more than able. And uh, we want to lift up we want to lift up Ukraine. We want to lift up Ukraine. It's interesting that there are some people in this country who support Putin. You know we're in the twilight zone. So we want to lift up Ukraine. So I'm going to ask that um, Reverend Pate, if you would come, take us to the throne of grace. And if you have any prayer concerns or requests, um, share them as far as heaven is concerned at this moment. Wait, wait for them to get seated. We're going to wait for you all to get seated. Go ahead and let them get seated, Brother Camp. Go ahead and let them get seated. Y'all know how y'all handling your business. Can we give our ushers a hand? Because they put up with a lot dealing with us. Go ahead. Go ahead. God, we come to you now. Asking you, God, just to step in. God, there are many prayer concerns. The names that were scrolling and continue to scroll, God, we ask you that you just begin to step in, God. God, begin to have your way, God. We pray for healing, God, for those that are bodies with wrapped with pain, God. We pray that, God, you just begin to step in, God, when the families that are handling bereavement, God, and navigating through grief, God, we ask you that you just step in. God, we ask you that you step in in any, in any way that you know how to step in. God, we ask you that you step in because, God, we know that you have power. Your name is great. God, we pray for those that are in Ukraine right now, God. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, God. We pray, God, that you just continue to aid in everything that they need. God, begin to just sweep through there, God, and just begin to continue to provide safety, God. God, we pray that you just begin to step in. God, we ask you that you just move in a mighty way, God, in this church, God, for those that are just going through right now. God, for unspoken prayer requests, God, we know that even though it's unspoken, you know the thoughts of our minds and our hearts, God, and because you already know, even in our moaning and groaning, God, the Holy Spirit intervenes for us. So go before us now and do what only that you can. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you believe that God is answering those prayers, can you give God praise at this time? Amen. 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 Beloved, it's offering time. It is offering time. It is offering time. Um, and as we prepare to give, there are three ways that you can give here at St. Paul Church. The first way that you can give is either by mailing your check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. Or you can drop off your cash check or money order here at the church. Uh, call the church office first at 704-334-5309 to make sure someone is here to receive your offering. We'll put it in the safe and it'll be part of the following week's count. The next way you can give is through our church website, through ACS or Church Life. And then you can also give through the app called Givelify. And if you uh, don't have that app on your smart device, download that app to your smart device, connect to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks, you can give. If you have a physical offering in the house, uh, there's a basket or several baskets on the row in front of you. And you can place your offering in the basket that is closest to you. You don't have to touch it um, um, just for uh, sanitary reasons. So uh, however you're giving, if you're giving a physical offering or on your smart device, if you're able to hold it up in your right hand, let's place it in our right hand. We want to give God what's right, not what's left. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you for the wonderful opportunity to give. Uh, to be generous, to demonstrate the essence of who you are. And Lord, we don't take this opportunity for granted. And as we come and we give God, for those that are practicing the discipline of giving tithes and offerings, bless them. For those who are giving something, God, we pray that you will enhance their capacity to become tithers and to give biblically. And then God, for those who feel like they don't have to do anything or give anything, we pray that you will continue to convict their conscience that they will become givers in some shape, form, or fashion. Take these gifts of ours, oh God, multiply them in such a way that your word, your witness, and your work can go forth, and you'll get the glory, honor, and praise. It is in Jesus' name we pray that all of those who believe say amen. Amen. At this time, if you have a physical offering, if you would, place it in the basket in front of you, and our account team and ushers will receive them.
Sunday of um, February, um, we kind of been dealing with different themes, um, and we started that with the focus for Black History Month, and it has kind of taken on a life of its own for me, sonically, and I want to continue that for the next several times that I will be preaching. And so I believe today is part six. And we're going to be talking about race. Um, we're going to be talking about race. And if you join us online for Bible study, the text that I'm going to share with you today, I've taught on that a few weeks ago. 
So I want to call your attention to Galatians chapter 3. Um, read four verses, verse 26 through 29. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through verse 29. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version of Scripture. You can follow me along with whatever translation you may have. Galatians chapter 6, I mean 3 rather, uh, verse 26. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Take some of the gain out. Uh, for as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female. For you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to to the promise. And if you are Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Even though we're talking about race uh, today, I, I want to kind of use this as a thought as we move forward. Jesus Christ, the game changer. Jesus Christ, the game changer. I would dare say that we are living in a world that is becoming more demographically divisive and politically polarizing with each passing day. The racial divide, the economic gaps, the religious tension, the gender disparity, the political dissension, and the social upheaval are creating a new country called the disunited States of America. The divisions we are witnessing across the various social constructs are being played out daily in the media to the point where we're no longer shocked by what we see or what we hear. Unfortunately, truth has become a casualty in today's environment. From the violence in our communities, which reach havoc on lives young and old, to the vitriolic racism that is coded in political language, this country continues to splinter. Embedded in the founding documents of this country, are the words, to form a more perfect union has become less of a reality within recent years. And it has been to the misfortune of our children and our children's children. Racism is still a major issue in the United States of America, and I would even say in this world. What a lot of us fail to realize is that racism is really a new world construct. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Racism... Um, really came into existence around the 1400s. Um, prior to that, there was no such 
thing as racism as we know it. Not to say that there was not discrimination, but the discrimination was based upon ethnic lines. So you could have white folks not like each other because of ethnicity. Uh, Spanish people not liking French, French not liking the English, uh, the English not liking those that are from Ireland. That, that's ethnicity. Uh, it, it has nothing to do. And, and, and interestingly, even in uh, the United States, not the United States, but in Africa, you, you have those ethnic issues with different tribes of different countries in Africa not liking each other. But, but racism became a new phenomenon when slavery of the African began to ascend in the mid-1400s and really took root in the 1500s to the point where the enslavement of the African became normative as far as the world was concerned. And they used race to justify the enslavement of our ancestors. And when this country was established, they coded it in all their founding documents. So what we got to understand that since racism is really a new world phenomena that was used to justify the subjugation of Africans in the Western Hemisphere, the after effects continue to reverberate even to 2022. Slavery is America's original sin. Racism is this nation's birth defect. W.E.B. Du Bois, in his book, The Soul of Black Folks, stated that the problem of the 20th century will be the problem of the color line, and unfortunately, his prophecy has carried over into the 21st century because we're still dealing with the problem of race in 2022. If you don't believe me, if you have been watching the news lately, Ryan Cogler, the one that directed Black Panther, he got a lot of money, went to the bank the other day, gave the teller a note, put in his pen, and she still called the police on him. And if there was somebody white, that never would have happened. Don't tell me we, we're not still dealing with racism. Um, and as a matter of fact, let's be honest, many of us in here right now are subjugated to the issues of race. And regardless of how much money you have, regardless of how educated you are, regardless of what side of town you live, regardless of the kind of car you drive, if you get caught up by the wrong person on the wrong day, you're going to discover just how black you are. In, in, in the book, 1619 Project, uh, in Dorothy Roberts' uh, essay on race, she focuses on what I call the intersectionality of race and gender when it comes to black women. And she writes, and I quote, the practice of dividing people into racial categories 
permeate our society, end of quote. Think about this. Every time you fill out a document, be it business or medical or legal or financial, you got to fill out several boxes to check what race you are. And here's the thing that gets me about white folk. Because, you know, they love to quote Martin Luther King's I have a dream speech. Brother Pearson, the only line they love to quote is, where we would not be judged by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. They love to quote that line, but but they, they didn't read the whole speech. Because if they had read the whole speech, they would discover that prior to getting to that stuff, that he was talking about justice and freedom and economic equality, uh, and, and making sure that black people had the right to the same resources as white people and things of that sort. They, they don't talk about that, but they love to say, well, we will not be judged by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. And, and so they, they push a colorblind agenda. And they push a colorblind agenda to the negation of black and brown bodies. And so when a white person says to me, I don't see color, I try not to cuss. I didn't say curse, I said cuss. I, 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 I try not to go off because they're lying. You do see color. And the issue is not that you see color, but you bring some negative and erroneous assumptions when you see my color. See, 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 when, when, when white folks talk that stuff to me, I tell them, I don't need you to be colorblind. I need you to see my color. But what I don't need you to do is place your negative sociological and anthropological perspectives on me based upon what you think I am of the color of my skin. Because the color of my skin is part of my soul. I wouldn't be who I am if I were not black. I wouldn't be where I am if I were not black. And stop going around negating the essence of who you are. God made you black. God gave you kinky hair. God gave you a big nose. God gave you big lips. Don't be trying to thin yourself down, trying to be like white folks. Be proud of who you are. God, I wish Michael Jackson was still alive and he hadn't changed colors. Because he was a smooth black brother. See, see here, here is where we are in today's society. And, and, and it's hard to believe that even in 2022, we still got to deal with this stuff. And let me just say that in a sense, it's worse now. Because of social media. It, it, it's worse now because you can work with somebody that don't even like you based on the color of your skin. And you not even know it because they're in the dark crevices of social media calling you the N-word. Now, 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 they ain't bold enough to call you the N-word in public. But they'll do it on social media. 
So we got race. And then we got class. And, 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 and whether we want to realize it or not, uh, race and class go together. And, and the issue of class has created divisions between the have and the have-nots. Middle class is almost gone. It, it, it's basically becoming the have and the have-nots. And, and think about it, you all. Gas prices are higher than they ever been in this country. Inflation is at its highest rate in 40 years. The gap between the 1% that is obscenely rich and the very poor has grown exponentially. And wages have not kept up for the working poor and the middle class. And y'all know that hadn't taken place since 1980. And do y'all remember who was in the White House in 1980 that started this party? Man by the name of Ronald Reagan. And he pushed this voodoo economics called trickle-down economics that allow for the rich to pour water on the heads of the poor and tell us it was raining. And during the 1980s, they dismantled help for the poor. They eradicated assistance to the mentally challenged. And then when you take all of that, and I know we love to claim Bill Clinton as first black president, but it was some stuff Bill Clinton did that was to the detriment of black folks. Because when he passed that crime bill and signed that crime bill, that led to the mass incarceration of people of color in this country that produced the new Jim Crow. Thereby making America the most, the most prison-infested country in the industrialized world. And guess who's filling the prisons? Our cousins, our siblings, our parents, our grandparents, our friends, people of Ebony Hugh. So you got race, you got class, then you have gender. In the battle of the sexes, that's been going on since creation. Since Adam blamed Eve in the garden. Y'all do remember that in Genesis chapter 1, can I do a little teaching for a moment? That, that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, the Bible says that God says, let us make Male and female, watch this, in our image, in our likeness. Then in Genesis chapter 1, God said, let us make male and female, man and woman, in our image, in our likeness. Which means that both male and female are made in the image and the likeness of God. I'm going somewhere with this. So, so male and female in Genesis 1, which is the first creation story, are made in the image and likeness of God. In the second creation story, known as Genesis chapter 2, when God put Adam to sleep and extracted from Adam a rib and shaped and formed Eve and brought her unto him, and Adam called her woman. Why? Because she was taken out of him as far as the rib was concerned. God did not take her from the foot bone for man to step on her, nor did he take her from the hip bone so she could rule over man, but he took her from the side so they could be what? Co-equal. I'm going somewhere with this. And when Eve listened to the snake challenge her theological assumptions about who God was, listening to the snake, she took from the tree, she ate, she gave it to Adam, Adam ate, and we are told in the Bible that when Adam ate, that sin came into the world. That when Adam ate, their 
eyes were open and they perceived what was good and what was evil and then they hid themselves because they thought they were naked and when God came through the garden in, in his daily fellowship he noticed they weren't in their usual spot anticipating his arrival why because they were hiding behind bushes so when God caused them to reveal their disobedience their relationship became disordered sin always always leads to the disordering of relationship sin always leads to the disordering of God's original intention and, and ever since then this is why we have to deal with patriarchy messy misogyny Contagious chauvinism, using the Bible to justify how women ought to submit to their husbands and how the man is the head of the wife. Never mind the fact how scripture has been taken out of context culturally, interpretively, and spiritually to justify the oppression of our sisters. I know there's some folks around here and in the culture that don't want women preaching, don't women, want women serving as deacon, don't want women having leadership positions in the church, but women make up 75% of the church. God knows we need brothers to step up, but I ain't gonna lie, I wouldn't want to have a church just full of men, cause some stuff may not get done if it's just a church full of men. This, this intersectionality of, of race and gender that Dorothy Roberts writes about, she talks about how our black sisters did not have agency over their body during slavery. This is how wicked the white slave master was. The white slave master was so wicked that even though, check this out, y'all. Now, this blows my mind. Even though he did not consider the slave to be human, he had sex with her. Wait now, I'm going somewhere with this. That, that even though he did not consider our ancestors to be human, he saw something attractive. And, 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 and he slept with her. And I only want to use the term slept. He raped her. Without impunity. No legal recourse. She didn't have agency over her body. And this is how wicked the white slave master was. Talking about race. He was so wicked that the child, his seed that was born, he enslaved it. I declare some white folks going to have to spend at least 15 minutes in hell in the afterlife. For the things that they have done as far as slavery and black and brown people are concerned. We're, yeah, this ain't no shouting sermon. Um, um, this, this, is, this is where we are because of race. And, 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 and because we are where we're, because of race, we're so fractured politically and economically and racially and gender and sexually and culturally. Our cities are torn between vicious gangs and underfunded schools and gentrifying neighborhoods. The divisions lead to distortions of relationship and to a diminishing of the image of God in all of us. And when we engage in what I call the othering 
of people who are different from us, we assign stereotypes to them. And that creates a society whereby we are suspicious, untrusting, and fearful. Here's what I'm saying. The perception is that people who are different from us are a problem. So Muslims are a problem. Democrats are a problem. Republicans are a problem. Women are a problem. Men are a problem. LGBTQ are a problem. Jews are a problem. Whites are a problem. Blacks are a problem. Hispanics are a problem. Asians are a problem. Indigenous people are a problem. The young are a problem. The old are a problem. Um, Gen Zers are a problem. Millennials are a problem. Gen Xers are a problem. Baby boomers are a problem. The greatest generation, they are a problem. Whenever we see someone different from us, sociologically, economically, physically, racially, religiously, or gender-wise, we separate them, we alienate them, we exclude them, cause why? They don't fit into our group. But that's not what Jesus desires for his church. When Jesus established the church in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20, he wanted to establish something that was beyond what Jesus had witnessed during his time on earth. He did not like the division that he saw in his father's house known as the temple. But this is something that fascinates me about Jesus. And this is why if you want to be a real Christian or a real disciple of Jesus, you can't hate Jews because your savior is a Jew. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I know I'm getting ready to mess up somebody now. Y'all do know Jesus didn't go to church because there was no church. Jesus went to the temple. Jesus went to the synagogue. But notice when he established the church in Matthew, he did not say upon this rock, I build my temple. Does not say upon this rock, I build my synagogue. Uh, he does not say upon this rock, I build my tabernacle. No, Jesus said that upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You just miss your shout cue. Jesus says that upon this rock I build my ecclesia. Do y'all know that the word ecclesia is a Greek term? Now, now, why is that so special, Pastor? Why you want to tell us it's a Greek term? Because here it is. Jesus is a Jew, but he uses a Greek term. You, 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 it, I know it went over your head. Jesus spoke Aramaic. But he uses a Greek term to establish a new entity. And I want to contend that Jesus used the term ecclesia because he wants the church to transcend the narrow constrictions of race, ethnicity, gender, class, and politics unlike the temple that kept you out if you had certain conditions or you came from a certain background or if you were a woman or if you had an illness that was only so far you could go into the temple but in the church you ought to be able to come down and just say Lord here I am, take me as I am and make me what you want me to be can I preach this thing in the way that I feel it and so and so this is what Paul in Galatians is trying to get church folk to understand 
that Paul wants us to understand that it's our faith in Jesus and him alone that's more than sufficient for us to have a relationship with God, our creator. However, there was a group of Jews known as the Judaizers who said your faith in Jesus ain't enough. That if you are a male, you got to go and get circumcised and you got to become a Jew in order to have salvation. Paul was saying, no, brothers, y'all are up in age. You don't need to go get anything cut in order to be in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And, 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 and may I say, may I say that unfortunately in 2022, we got some modern day Judaizers who will say that you're not saved unless you speak in tongues or you're not saved unless you're able to perform any miracles. But I'm here to remind you that salvation is not predicated upon your performance. Salvation is not based upon church attendance. Salvation is not based upon your giving. Salvation is not based upon your service. You and I are saved by the grace of God when we place our faith and total confidence in Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, which means if he's going to be our savior, he saves us from our sins. And if he's going to be our Lord, he's going to tell us how to live. And Jesus ain't going to be your Lord without being your savior. But if he's going to be your savior, he need to be your Lord, which means he has the right to tell you whatever you need to do and how you live on this terrestrial ball caller. Paul is trying to get these Galatians to understand it is their faith in Christ that gives them a relationship with the best that God has to offer. God comes in the form of Jesus Christ to offer us the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, the power of God, and the person of God. And it is based upon our faith in Jesus Christ. Not our works, hallelujah. Not our politics, thank you, Jesus. Not our money, not our family background, not the church attendance or affiliation. It is your faith that makes you sons and daughters of God. And Paul wants the Galatians to understand how their faith, not the law, makes them acceptable to God. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm glad about that. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad that your relationship with God is not based upon you keeping 613 different laws? Because if that was the case, none of us would have a relationship with God. That's what the reason I'm preaching this text is because Jesus is the ultimate game changer for all of us. Jesus. Jesus is the one who transformed the accepted rules of religion, the process of prayer, the strategy of spirituality, and the rearrangement of relationships, and the management of the mysteries of God. In other words, Jesus came into our reality, and Jesus makes a paramount shift in the manner that you and I refer to God, and how we worship God, and how we deal with one another and how we handle even our enemies. Jesus, God in the flesh. 
Jesus, the one who was sent by God to redeem humanity from sin, shame, and sorrow. Jesus, the one who took our place on an old rugged hill called Calvary. Jesus, the one who died on the cross. Jesus, the one who knew no sin, who became sin, the sin of racism and sexism and classism and all the other isms that separate us so that you and I could become the righteousness of God has changed the game for our life forever and a day. And Paul wants us to know that when a person is in Christ, something got to change. That when you and I are in Christ, we can no longer think the way we used to think, talk the way we used to talk, walk the way we used to walk, live the way we used to live, do what we used to do. Something's got to shift in our reality when we let the real game changer come into our lives. Who am I talking to right now? They ain't afraid to testify that ever since Jesus Christ has come into my life, the stuff that used to bother me does not bother me as much anymore. Can't can I, can, can, I, can I show you how Jesus is the game changer and how he changes our lives for the better? It's all right there in the text. I said all of that to get to this. That first of all, Jesus being the game changer, he upgrades our status with God. Ooh. Boy, I declare this when one day we're going to learn how to shout on doctrine. He, he upgrades our status with God. Verse 26, 27, it starts off with the words, for in Christ. For in Christ. Do you know that means that there's a positional change for anybody who is willing to trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Because if I am in Christ, I am spiritually in God. Uh huh. And if I'm spiritually in God, that means that whatever comes my way can't defeat me because I'm no longer in something else. <laughs> see, 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 you got to learn how to shout on the right prepositional phrase because it's the prepositional phrase that gives us a clue how God deals with us. <laughs> Uh, uh, uh. The Bible doesn't say that we are around Christ. But the Bible says that we are in Christ. And if you and I are in Christ, do y'all know what that means? That means you are in power. And that you are in mercy. And that you are in grace. And that you are in forgiveness. And that you are in strength. And that you are in compassion. Now I appreciate what Paul said in Romans 8, 37. That you and I are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loves us. Because when I'm in Christ, there's a shift in how I view myself. And there's a shift in how others view you in Christ. And there's a shift how we view others outside. Of Christ. Here's your shout cue if you want to shout right now. In other words, if one can be in Christ, then it means you can be out of Christ. And I don't know about anybody else, but in 2022, you don't need to be out of Christ. You need to be in Christ. It's terrible not to have Jesus in your life. For real, for real. Look at how your status change when you are in Christ versus when you are out of Christ. Can I tell you how your status change? In Christ, I got new life. Out 
apart of Christ, I have no life. In Christ, I am alive. Out of Christ, I'm dead. In Christ, I got two birthdays. Out of Christ, I only got one birthday. In Christ, I die one time. Out of Christ, I die two times. In Christ, I'm saved by grace. Out of Christ, I'm lost because of sin. In Christ, I got a new attitude. Out of Christ, I got a funky attitude. In Christ, I got eternal life. Out of Christ, I got eternal death. In Christ, I'm countercultural. Out of Christ, I'm culture dominated. In Christ, I'm going to heaven. But if you're out of Christ, you're going to hell. Woo! God, I feel like preaching this thing the way that I feel it. But that's not the only way our status is changed. Because when we're in Christ, we are children of the Most High God because of faith. Notice Paul said you are children of God through faith. That means Jew and Gentile has been admitted to a new spiritual status as joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Again, you miss your shout cue. You mean I'm a joint heir with Jesus? Can I tell y'all what that means? That means that whatever Jesus has access to, you got access to it as well. That's because both Jew and Gentile have the same human reality. Jew and Gentile have sin. Jew and Gentile have fallen short of the glory of God. Jew and Gentile need God's redemptive work. Jew and Gentile are under the curse. Jew and Gentile are in bondage. Jew and Gentile need a savior. All right, let me make it contemporary in 2022. Black and white have sinned. Black and white have fallen short of the glory of God. Black and white need God's redemptive work. Black and white are under the curse. Black and white are in bondage. Black and white need a savior. And God sent his only son, Jesus Christ. And when he sent Jesus, he said, I'm sending you the very best I have. After Jesus, I ain't got nothing else to give you. Jesus Christ, who is co-equal, co-eternal, and co-existent with God the Father. And so the reality of the sonship of God is hard for us to process in our finite mind because we are accustomed to parents having children. However, God did not have Jesus. Jesus, who is the son of God, has always existed with God the Father. It's a mystery you and I can't understand, but it's something that you and I just ought to go ahead and shout about. However, when God adopts you and me as his sons and daughters, he has adopted us and his a shout that I want you to understand about being adopted because when you are adopted that means that you've been chosen and when you've been chosen that means that whatever rights you have you don't lose them I don't know who I'm talking to but the Bible wants us to understand that once you are adopted the parental rights can't be revoked in other words you can't go back and be turned into the heavenly department family services because you do something that your daddy doesn't like y'all this shouts me because all I'm trying to let somebody know is you you and I are adopted and because we are adopted we are sons and daughters of God which means that we are chosen with our black hair with our nappy hair with our big lips with our big noses with our black skin and what I love about black folks we are from the darkest of the darkest to the lightest of the lightest and I want you to know that all of us have been chosen by God
all of us have been chosen by God. Y'all know what that means? That means, here's the thing, that because I'm chosen, racism, I have the power to overcome it. The only reason that our ancestors survived slavery is because they knew the real God. Not an Americanized version of a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus. But they knew the real God. And they knew the real Jesus who met them down in the brush harbor when they were still away at night and have church meeting and pray by the river and make their escape to the north. That's the God they knew. God always, always side with those that are oppressed and downtrodden and left out. God is always on the side of the oppressed. Not, not, not only am I chosen, but we're upgraded. <laughs> we upgraded. I'm, 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 try, I'm trying to be dignified and not loosen this tie. But we're upgraded. Faith in Christ allows us to be baptized in Christ. And, and this is the reason that you and I go through water baptism. Because we're trying to show the world and the church that we are a Christian. That's why baptism is so important. That's why when you join the church, you need to get baptized. And when you join the church and you get baptized, you need to stay with the church. Is this mic on? Is this mic on? Is this mic on? Let me, that's why you need to stay with the church because the church becomes the community that helps you to grow as you help it grow. The church is the only thing in the human institutional structure that we think we can join at one point and then don't do nothing else and think we good. You ain't got to shout. I'm preaching better than I'm saying amen. And then a whole lot of folks join church, leave church, won't even come back to church. And then 15, 20 years later, they think they're still a member of that church. No, it don't work like that. You still saved, but you have lost your place in the community. <laughs> Membership, I'll preach on that next week, has its privileges. So when we are baptized, we symbolically experience the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you get into the water, that's you dying. When you go down in the water, that's you being buried. When you come out of the water, that's you being resurrected. And therefore, that's why we as Baptists will immerse you. We ain't going to sprinkle you. We're going to immerse you. You're going to get fully wet. But your status is also upgraded because you put on Christ. You put on Christ. That means that when God looks at you, God doesn't see you. He sees Jesus. He sees Jesus covering you. And then God stamps you being approved because you got on the right clothes. Don't go around saying it doesn't matter what I wear. You better have on the right apparel. I know some of us say it doesn't matter what I wear. Come as you are. 
You can come as you are, but you shouldn't stay as you are. Because I'm here to let you know, you need to be clothed in Christ. Uh-huh, yeah, I said it. You need to be clothed in Christ. I know. We got some folks that shop at fancy malls and you buy fancy clothing. But that stuff don't make you right with Christ. Prada without Jesus is pitiful. Michael Kors without Jesus is misery. Coach without Jesus is cantankerous. Louis Vuitton without Jesus is lost. True religion without Jesus is reckless. Jimmy Choo without Jesus is junk. Ferragamo without Jesus is filth. Gucci without Jesus is gross. Vera Wang without Jesus is vicious. Hugo Boss without Jesus is hell. And Ralph Lauren without Jesus is ridiculous. You better have on Jesus regardless of what you wear to church. Let me... Uh, that's, that's why, that's why, that's why, that's why it's, it's important. I'll finish this next week. Uh, yeah, I'll finish this next week. Um, I, I, no, I, I'll finish it next week. I'll, it'll be part two. Uh, I'll finish this next week. But, but what I've dropped on you right now is enough. There's only so much y'all can handle. Um, uh, I, I'll finish it next week. But, but what I have given you right now uh, is enough for right now. And, and I close on this. That if you want to be able to deal with the issue of race, racism and sexism, you got to have Jesus in your life as the game changer. Because the only way, hear me and hear me well, the only way you will not be able to cuss out white folks when they call you the N-word or when they do something passive-aggressive is to have the Holy Spirit. That's, that's, listen, how you think our ancestors endured the whip? That even as they suffered, the Holy Spirit restored them. They walked around with scars on their backs and legs and necks, but the Holy Spirit kept them. We wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for our ancestors knowing who God was. I'll finish this up next week. I want to, um, I want to, I want to introduce somebody to the game changer. I want to introduce somebody to the game changer. 
And it ain't based upon a feeling. It ain't based upon something tingling up and down your spine. It's, it's your faith. Jesus can make the difference. Watch this. If you put in the work. And what do I mean by that? Salvation is free. But discipleship costs. And I'm here to let you know that too many of us are just happy to be saved, but we're not growing. And when you don't grow, you don't become everything that God would have for you to be. So, so here's what I want to impress upon you if you don't get anything else today. I want you, if you don't know who Jesus Christ is, I'm going to lead you in a short prayer. If that prayer fits you, I want you to make a decision today for Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I would love for you to connect with us because we want to help you to grow and become what God will have for you to be as you do the same for us. And we want you to stay connected. Don't wander off. I'm going to say something, and I know I may get in trouble for this. 40% of the people, according to prognosticators, ain't coming back to church as we come back in. And I think what God did with COVID was prune the church. Yeah, I know y'all ain't going to clap on that. But God pruned the church. God showed us the real folk from the consumers. Because church is not a consumer place. This ain't Walmart or Target. God saves you. Your salvation is secure. But your development, you got to work. And as I tell my, the people that join new members class... That once you come in, you need to be engaged. Bible study, Sunday school, a ministry. Do something. Give. That's how you grow. That's how you become connected. Don't just come and suck up all the air. God has something for you to do. God has something for you to do. It breaks my heart. When I hear people say, oh, I can't wait till we go back in church. And I look at them, I say, really? Yeah, I miss church. I said, no, you don't. They said, why you say that? I said, because we've been back in. Been back in since August. Oh, really? And then they look at me like a deer in headlights. I say, yeah. I say, you know what that means, don't you? No, what? That means you've been disconnected from us for a long time. Even if you've been disconnected, you can come back. You can reconnect. But membership means something. Tired of carrying dead weight. There are three types of people that impacts the church. The first one is those that help me carry weight. Then there are those whose weight I have to carry. I don't mind them because I know what I got to do with them. But then there's that third group that gets on my reserve nerve. And it's that third group that puts weight on top of the weight I got to carry. And they don't do nothing except sit on the sideline and critique and criticize. If you're going to talk and signify, get in the game. Let me lead you in a short prayer. If you would, just bow your heads and if you would, repeat this prayer after me. Lord, I want you to be the game changer in my life. I believe 
You sent Jesus to die for my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead. And I believe one day he's coming back. But until then, send your Holy Spirit into my life. I want to live for you. Forgive me of all my sins. Help me be the person you want me to be. In the name of Jesus, the game changer, I pray this prayer. Amen. Hear me, hear me well. If you prayed that prayer online, if you prayed that prayer in the house, if that prayer was meant for you, I want to lead you in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If you've never been baptized and you want to join the church and you want to have a relationship with God, because baptism is like my wedding ring. It's a sign to the world that you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Baptism is a sign to the community that you're part of us. We would love to have you. So if you're listening to me right now on Facebook or on the website, would you type in salvation in the chat if that prayer was meant for you? And one of our digital ministers or social media influencers will reach out to you and let you know what the next steps are. If you are watching us on YouTube or listening to us on the phone, email us at connect at spbcnc.org or call the church office at 704-334-5309. Leave your name and your number. By 5 o'clock tomorrow, somebody's going to reach out to you and let you know what the next steps are. If you're in the house right now and if that prayer was meant for you, You've never been baptized. You confessed Jesus Christ this morning as your Lord and Savior. And you want to become a part of the church. I would love to have you. I would love to be your pastor. If that prayer was for you, would you do me a favor and hold up your hand? Would you hold up your hand? Would you hold up your hand? Would you hold up your hand? If that prayer was meant for you, would you hold up your hand? If you don't know who Jesus Christ is and the pardon of your sin, would you hold up your hand? Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. I would love for you to be part of our fold. Love for you to be part of our connection. Hold up your hand. We would love to do life with you. Hold up your hand. 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 Amen. If you're here and you're saying, listen, Pastor, I'm already saved. I know who Jesus Christ is in the pardon of my sin, but I don't have a church home. I've been bouncing around online or or coming to you physically, and uh, I would love to be connected to your tribe. We would love to have you as part of the St. Paul family. So if that's you, and you're watching us online, if you would, in the chat on Facebook or on our website, would you put in connect? Our digital ministers, the social media influencers will reach out to you, let you know what the next steps are. If you're listening to us on YouTube or on telephone, if you would call the church office at 704-334-5309, leave your name and your number, or email us at connect at spbcnc.org. Give us your name and your phone number so we can reach out to you by 5 o'clock tomorrow. If you are in this physical sanctuary and you don't have a church home, you haven't been going to a church consistently, I would love for you to be part of St. Paul. If you're looking for a pastor, I would love to be your pastor. If you're looking for a community where you can serve as well as grow, we would love for you to be part of our community. If that's you, would you hold up your hand? Would you hold up your hand? Would you hold up your hand? If you don't have a church home, would you hold up your hand? If you're looking for a place to grow and develop, Would you hold up your hand? Would you hold up your hand? Hold up your hand. Nothing to be ashamed of. We're not going to have you to come down and give a testimony. Just hold up your hand if I'm talking to you. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Amen. We have done as commanded, and yet there is still room at the cross just for you. And so we thank God for your presence. We're getting ready to get out of here. So those that are able, would you stand as we prepare to have 
the benediction. And the Lord said the same. We'll finish this sermon up next week. Let's bow our heads in prayer. God, we come and we thank you today for this challenge of allowing you to be the game changer in our lives. So, Lord, right now, in the name of your son, Jesus, help us to understand that because of Jesus Christ, we can deal even with the scourge of racism and we can overcome that stuff. And so, Lord, as we get ready to move from this place, but never from your presence, keep us in your sovereign care. And now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with all exceeding joy to the wise God. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forevermore. And the people of God said, amen. Do me a favor, please take your seat. Our ushers are going to escort you out so that you can go out into outside and fellowship and see one another. God bless you all. Have a smile upon you. Thank <laughs> you.